0: Today on Blue 58, we launch into Phase 2 of our 2021 season review by taking a look at the Packers' first three games of the 2021 season. Remember when the Packers played the Saints in Jacksonville? That was just the start of what would turn out to be a long, strange season. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, very happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got to talk special teamers here before we get into the meat of our, our episode today, taking a look at the, the first three games of 2021. But before we get to either of those things, I wanted to start in an unusual spot. I want to talk about baseball for a second, or I guess labor peace in baseball. Apparently the, the players and owners have a deal in in place that would save the 2022 season. And That's great. I'm not a super big baseball fan, a casual at best. But every time something like this happens, I catch myself thinking a couple things. First, I remember the point at which I became the kind of baseball fan that I am. And I can tell you pretty much exactly when that happened. There was a a cool hobby store near where I grew up. In, in I grew up in a small town called Cedar Grove in Wisconsin. If you're in Wisconsin, you you may not even know where that is. Uh, but there was a cool hobby store in Sheboygan nearby. And I took it into my head after, I think, getting some for a birthday or something like that, that I wanted to be a baseball card collector, specifically baseball cards, because I thought those were the coolest for whatever reason. The pack of cards that I got had a bunch of cool stats and information on the back... It was cool. I wanted to get into collecting baseball cards. So we went to the store and I found this enormous hobby pack of cards. It had like a thousand cards in it for 25 bucks, which for, I think it was maybe seven or eight years old for a kid that age is an astronomical amount of money. $25. Can you imagine spending $25 on anything? I couldn't. It was probably going to be the biggest single purchase of my life at that point. So we get this big box of cards, and we take it up to the front, and I announce proudly to the guy at the counter that I want to get into collecting baseball cards. What he says is, I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't do that, but you should know that baseball cards pretty much aren't worth anything anymore. And my mom, who was with me at the time, said, why is that? Well, they just had this big strike thing, labor problems, And nobody likes baseball cards anymore. Everybody's fed up with it. And I was crushed. What do you mean? Like, nobody likes this. Well, if nobody likes this, I I guess I I can't do this. And now maybe this guy was gatekeeping, maybe not. But certainly there was labor unrest in baseball in the 90s. And certainly that had to have turned off quite a few young baseball fans like me for whatever reason. And I think about that again, because Certainly something like that had to be in danger of happening again here. And I don't think about that because I'm worried particularly about baseball because I could take it or leave it. What comes up to me is just this nagging thought in the back of my head as a football fan, because there's this instinct and maybe it's just in me, but I doubt it. There's this instinct to look down our nose at baseball fans and say, Haha, look at your sport you can't get your stuff figured out. You weren't even sure you were going to have a season. And I think that's a mistake. Because don't think it can't happen to us. If you're a football fan and an only football fan, more or less like I am, don't think it can't happen to us. Because in the not-too-distant past, it nearly did. We were real close in 2011 to losing some games, having the season rearranged, Maybe it wasn't that big a threat, but it was there. It was a non-zero chance. And don't think something like that can't happen again. Remember, first and foremost, that these things are fragile. So appreciate what you've got while you've got it. Secondly, remember that the owners are going to squeeze the players for everything they can and they're always going to try to set players against each other, and that is always going to work. Look at what happened in baseball this time around. It's the exact same thing that happened the last time there was any labor unrest in football. The higher-end players, the stars, are trying to get some concessions from the owners, different paths to free agency, different arbitration things, stuff like that. In football, think of it like the franchise tag. That's something that always comes up that's what players want to get rid of. But to get rid of something like that, you have to be willing to use your labor leverage. And what does that come down to? Sitting out games, making real change. And who doesn't want to do that? All of the players who are never going to get franchise tagged. Right? 52 guys on an NFL roster can't get franchise tag in a given year. You can only do it to one guy and he's going to be a superstar anyway. The rank and file players aren't going, to put, aren't going to put the effort into getting rid of something like that because they don't want to make the sacrifices necessary to make it happen. And that's what we saw in baseball again. And remember what you're seeing there is exactly what ownership wants to happen. They want the players to be fighting against each other. They don't want a united front. And they want us, the fans, to think that the baseball players are being selfish and greedy or the football players are being selfish and greedy, and maybe they are. But they've got a right to collectively bargain too. Just remember that when the lines in the sand get drawn up and stuff like that. I'm not going to tell you which side to root for. I know which side that, you know most of us fall down on. We want to watch football or baseball or whatever. So when the rubber meets the road, we just want to get whatever's going to get the games back to us quickly. But remember what's at stake here for, you know, guys that are trying to make the best living that they can playing this game that they are uniquely talented at. And remember how the sausage gets made on some of those final decisions. They do it by breaking up the united front. It's just something worth keeping in the back of your mind. Don't think it can't happen to us. And remember how these things get done. Speaking briefly about Packers special teams players, the Packers had five guys in 2021 who played exclusively on special teams. One of them didn't even make it to the active roster for any games, but I wanted to make sure we mentioned him, and that's J.J. Molson. I don't know what the fascination is with this kicker, He was not very good in college, but the Packers have had him around basically for the better part of two seasons now for not very well-defined reasons. Ostensibly, he's a replacement for Mason Crosby if something would happen to him COVID-wise. He doesn't seem like he's a particularly good replacement for Crosby, and it's not clear if he's actually all that good at all. So where does he stand heading into 2022? Well, he's going to have some competition if he's around at all, because Brian Kudigan says he wants to bring back Mason Crosby, but he also has brought in Dominic Eberly another kicker. Hmm. Where does J.J. Molson fit into that picture? I don't know. But it's worth, I think, thinking about and remembering. Next up is Hunter Bradley, who you may have forgotten about. All the Packers' long snappers over the past few years have sort of blended together for me, maybe for you. But it was, it was funny. One of the big storylines, I was thinking about this the other day as as I was prepping this stuff. One of the big storylines of the first year of the power sweep was how the Packers were going to move on to someone other than Brett Good. He was getting old. He was coming off a knee injury. How did the Packers figure out how to be in the in the post-Brett Good era? Well, they tried out a whole bunch of guys, Rick Lovato, Tabor Pepper, there's so one other guy in there whose name I can't remember, but between injuries and all sorts of different stuff, where did they end up? Right back where they started with Brett Goode. Hunter Bradley kind of emulates that a little bit, because the Packers have been trying to find an excuse to get rid of him here for a couple of years, and it's never really taken. Well, this year, they got off to a pretty slow start on special teams. And who do they have waiting in the wings? Stephen Wordle, who had the luxury of working with Corey Bohorquez in Los Angeles. And as soon as he was acquired, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to replace Bradley in the lineup. And sooner or later, he did. And for my money, Wordle seemed like he was about the same. But it's funny how things ended up in 2021, because as we all know, what was the turning play of the 2021 divisional round Packers versus 49ers game? Narrow it down for you. It was a special teams play. It was that block punt. And who got steamrolled on that block punt? Stephen Wordle. Now I'm not saying that he could have made that block anyway. He got blasted pretty good the 49ers seemed like they were just taking advantage formationally of what was going on there. Maybe they spotted a weakness. They figured they could get through right up the middle and it ends up being Wertle who gets hammered in the, in the meantime. But for all the effort the Packers went through to replace a guy that they were not sure about in Hunter Bradley, it ends up being the guy who replaces him who gets hammered in the end. Speaking of Corey Bohorquez, Wordle's running mate in Los Angeles, I'm not going to go over the stats super in-depth. There is one stat that we need to, to talk about, and we'll do it in our predictions episode. Uh, it relates to Bojorquez versus versus J.K. Scott. By and large, I would say Bojorquez's 2021 was mostly good. Not overwhelming. I think I would probably still do the trade, but I guess to circle back to baseball again, Bojorquez seems kind of like a big hitter. He's going to swing hard every time, and you got to take the strikeouts with the home runs. Because there was more than a few shanks in there for Corey Bohorquez. Sure, some good punts in there, too. Sure, some real monsters, too, especially early in the season when the weather was warm. But I think I get the impression that the Packers are still going to be looking heading into 2022. Looking, maybe not buying. Because I think the question around Bohorquez is what do you value at punter? Do you value those big hits with some miss hits mixed in, or do you value just consistency, giving up some, some shorter ones in there as well? The Packers got one of those in 2021. I'm not sure which one I'd choose first. The field flipper punter is, I guess, important, but do you sacrifice five yards of field position for some consistency? How about seven yards? How about 10 yards? Where is the line there? You're going to have some punts. Do you roll the dice with a guy who might hit at 60, but might hit at 25? I don't know. This is a question that I find myself thinking about a lot. And it's one of those weird things that I'm glad I don't have to decide on if I'm the Packers general manager. Finally, Mason Crosby. Mason had a difficult 2021. There were certainly some things that were not his fault. The divisional round game, for instance. Uh, The blocked field goal was pretty categorically not his fault. But it was his problem, just to use the divisional round again as an example, that he could not seem to reach the end zone with, with his kickoffs. And sure, it was cold, but it wasn't just that game where that was a problem. I think the story on Crosby is that he looked like an aging kicker in 2021. Consistency was an issue, even when he wasn't getting his his field goals blocked. He certainly looks like he doesn't quite have the leg he once did, though, as we'll talk about tonight, he did have a 51-yard game winner in suboptimal weather conditions, I should say. It's never an easy thing to kick in San Francisco, the weather being what it is. In their stadium. But it just seemed like he was aging. And if it was me, I don't think I would have him back. Now it's that consistency thing again. Trying to find consistency, are you going to sacrifice the relative stability you do have? Because even if Crosby wasn't great in 2021, you could do worse. I think, I think you could do worse. Maybe not but it feels like you probably could. What do you do? If I have to put my own feet to the fire and make a decision, I don't think I would have them back. I think I would just roll the dice on finding somebody new, finding somebody with the leg to make it there on, on kickoffs. And then just try to figure it out whether it takes a year or two years or whatever You're going to have to move on from Mason Crosby eventually, get the cap space and and figure out something new. So that's it. We've reviewed every position group on the 2021 Packers. As far as the roster, we're going to start looking ahead to 2022. We still have some work to do putting 2021 to rest though, and that starts with examining every game of the 2021 season. But first, I do want to mention again our our new tea Public store. Uh, there is a sale going on this week where you can get up to 40% off of a t-shirt if that's something that you are interested in. I think a few other products as well. Give that a look. We've got a whole bunch of products up there, some new stuff that we've never had listed before. Just give it a look. See what you like. Um, they have fast shipping, international shipping as well, and the prices are pretty affordable. The quality is good too. So give that a look. Uh, try out one of our many designs or maybe just pick up a couple stickers if, uh, if that is more your speed. We've also got those available as well. The link is in your show notes. Check it out. or you can also find it on thepowersweep.com on our support page. Check out the new merch and uh, maybe pick yourself up something today. All right. Looking back at weeks one through three for the 2021 Green Bay Packers, why bother doing this? This is something we've done for a couple of years now, and I want to tweak it ever so slightly. First, I don't think we need to go as in-depth as we've done in previous years, but I do think it is worth taking a look back because you forget things. You forget where games fit within the overall grand scheme of the season. So what I'd like to do for each one of the Packers, I guess, 18 games in 2021, I want to take a look at what happened. The moment when I feel the game was decided. What long-term effects happened in this game, or happened as a result of this game, and a couple things that we may have forgotten. Sound good? Good. Let's start with week one against the New Orleans Saints. What happened? Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but the Packers lost and lost big. Shut out. Hammered by Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints anything the Packers wanted to do, the Saints foiled. And anything that the Saints do, they wanted to do, they pretty much just went out and did it, and the Packers did not put up too much of resistance. This game, I feel, was decided early in the second half. Trailing 17-3, the Packers take over, and Aaron Rodgers throws an interception pretty deep in New Orleans territory. No problem. Saints come out, don't do anything. Well, what happens to the next drive? Interception again. Return 53 yards. This time, the Saints do take advantage. They go in. They make it 24-3, to and that's pretty much it. Game over. Aaron Rodgers pretty sloppy in this game. Start to finish. One of the worst statistical performances of his career, and if you were among the body language police, oh boy, you had a field day with this one because he was sulking up and down the sideline. And as a result, I think, you saw that play out in our polling numbers the next week. Aaron Rodgers hit the very worst number of the time we've been doing this in three years. No one has felt worse about Aaron Rodgers than they did after week one of this past season. In terms of long-term effects of this game, couple things. First, it's easy to forget that Zedaria Smith did play in this game, the only regular season game in which he appeared in 2021. But after the game, the Packers decided they needed to shut him down. Or Z decided he needed to shut it down, ended up having back surgery, and that was it sat out basically the rest of the season. It was also a bit of a defensive wake-up call. If you are among the people who believe that the Packers need to be playing their starters in the preseason, this might be all the evidence that you ever need to see, because the, the Packers defense looked like they were just meeting each other for the very first time. Looked like they had never played together. Hardly looked like they would played football before. And the Saints took advantage finally, I think this was just a get it out of your system game. I have a toddler. Sometimes when the toddler is having one of those rough days, you just, you really got to come down on them. You say, no, this is not how we're going to do this. You're going to shape up. You're going to behave. We're going to get it done. Other times when they reach a certain point, maybe this is just my parenting style, but sometimes you just got to let it go. Let them get it out of their system. Let it blow over. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they're hungry. Just let it wash over you. And looking back on this game, I wonder if this was a get it out of your system game. Aaron Rodgers had been a little bit crusty throughout the offseason. I don't know if you've heard. And then he comes into training camp and opens things up with a 35-minute diatribe against Packers management. And he almost wonder if that carried over a little bit into the regular season little bit of the body language police stuff that we said about on the sideline. And you wonder, maybe did Rodgers just need to get it out of his system? Coming out here feeling a little funky, not sure you want to be there? Play it out. All right, that's it. We're on to the rest of the season. We're going to go off and win an MVP. What did we forget about this game? Looking back on my notes, and that's what you'll hear. You hear the, the paper notes here. This game was a mess. Kevin King gave up a big, long touchdown. Yeah, that's a first Uh, The Saints had back-to-back 15-play touchdown drives. That's the first time somebody had done that in the NFL in more than 20 years. Minnesota Vikings did it on September 17th, 2000. Packers were playing a lot of empty set in this game. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? What were they doing in the divisional round game? Huh. It was a mess. Uh, There's really no two ways about it. Packers had a rough opening to their 2021 season. Week two against the Lions. Well, as bad as it was against the Saints, it was equally bad in week two, except for the other team. Got it this time. Packers routed the Lions 35-17. Rough day for the Detroit Lions. Well, I should really say rough second half. Also notable in this week, had a kid watch this game from a hospital hospital room. With a uh, a newborn, fun experience, would recommend it. The Packers, just looking at the box score, looks like they controlled this game start to finish. But really, this game was decided in the third quarter. Refreshing your memories, Detroit led seventeen to fourteen at the half. Well, seventeen points, John. You say. That's the amount they finished the game with. You'd be correct. The Packers came out in the third quarter and ripped off three straight touchdown drives. First play, 8 plays, 87 yards. Second, 11, 75 yards, a touchdown. Third one, taking over deep in Detroit territory after a turnover. 5 plays, 23 yards, and a touchdown. You get the drift. Packers had it on cruise control. After that, in the second half, they cruised to a 35-17 to win. Long-term effect of this game is that I think this is when the Packers' defense figured it out. It took them about six quarters. And after that, the Packers defense was basically locked in for most of the rest of the season. I think um, other than the Minnesota game, the one in which they just dropped everything Kirk Cousins was trying to throw to them, it was, it was pretty much a, I don't want to say tour de force because that feels like it's still overselling, you know, the, the state of the Packers defense, but they were excellent pretty much the rest of the year. And it took them the first six quarters of the season to get it figured out. wonder if we're going to see a different approach from the Packers in the preseason in 2021, in 2022, that is. In terms of what we've forgotten from this game, really, it's pretty, pretty just straightforward. It was butt kicking. Packers handled the Lions. But um, we'll point out that this was the game in which Aaron Jones lost his special pendant containing some of his dad's ashes in the end zone after scoring one of his touchdowns. Packers did end up finding it after the game and, uh, just another opportunity to bring this up. But if you haven't watched the Fox game day feature that ran on Christmas about Aaron and his dad, I would, uh, heartily recommend checking that out. Boy, I can, the, the section of the, the video where his dad leans over the railing and says, I love you. And I'm proud of you. That just, it, it gets me just about every time. It's a, it's a really special moment. And that was something that was actually on my mind a lot this year. Aaron Jones had never played a professional game without his dad around. He he was a regular at their games in college. If he wasn't there for everyone too, I believe he was. Just, I, I'm lucky to be in my thirties and I still have both my parents around. I know there's a lot of people who don't have that. Heck, I've still got both my grandparents on my, my dad's. I actually have have all my grandparents around. It's pretty lucky. And um, Aaron Jones was on my mind a lot for this season for for that reason, just having to go through that without your dad is something that I can't imagine. Uh, And that was a really touching moment in in retrospect there. Week three, Packers take on the 49ers in primetime. And the Packers rallied, held on to beat the 49ers. It was... They, they were in control for most of this game, but the 49ers rallied down the stretch, and it looked like the Packers were going to be out of luck when the 49ers scored very late in the game, but then Aaron Rodgers and the Packers take over with 37 seconds left from their own 25-yard line. They go big pass to Devontae Adams, spike, incompletion, big pass again to Devontae Adams, Spike, 51-yard field goal, game over. Game was decided, obviously, right there at the end, Mason Crosby hitting a 51-yard field goal as time expired. I think if you're looking for long-term storylines out of this one, for me, this is the game that set the table for what Devontae Adams was going to do in 2021. finished this game with 12 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. And two of those catches came in a situation where everybody in the stadium knew that the Packers were going to try to get the ball to Devontae Adams. 12 catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. In the previous two games on the season, Adams had had 13 catches for 177 yards and one touchdown. As an overall trend, this also continued Adams more or less dominance against the 49ers. In 2018, he had 10 catches for 132 yards and two scores. In the 2019 regular season blowout, he had a rough game. I think he was coming back off an injury in that one. Seven catches, 43 yards, not quite as good. But other than that, 2020, 10 catches, 173 yards. And uh, 2021, 12 catches for 132 yards and a score. Devontae Adams, pretty good against the 49ers, at least in the regular season. What have we forgotten out of this game? A couple small things. Um, Kyle Juszczyk made a couple nice plays for the 49ers. 49ers wore their throwbacks in this game as well, which are fun because they're actually meta throwbacks. They are throwbacks to uniforms that the 49ers wore in the 90s, which themselves were throwbacks to uniforms that the 49ers wore much earlier in their career. I don't know exactly when, but um yeah, those uh meta throwbacks. Uh Devondre Campbell recovered a four a fumble by Jimmy Garoppolo. Could not get the same kind of luck in the divisional round, uh, other than the the pick that Garoppolo threw. Just uh, a fun game. This is one of the more fun games, I think, of the early twenty twenty one season for the Packers, and uh always worth it to stay up in prime time when you get a game like this uh to do it for. And uh that was That was a big part of the fun in the early season for me. Love doing those primetime games. Love doing the podcast afterwards. So I've got for you in this episode, we are going to continue our journey back through the 2021 season next week. We're also going to start talking about some free agency stuff as that begins to play out here in the near future. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it a whole heck of a lot if you would share it with someone you think would enjoy it as well. That's going to continue to help us meet our goal of getting more people involved in this conversation we're having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, including me, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.